One of the least understood ways to reduce your fair share of income taxes is to create a pool of tax-free wealth. Today, we tell you how, specifically using a frequently misunderstood strategy known as Roth IRA conversion. Coupled with fine-tuning two other steps, namely when you eventually take Social Security and the order in which you spend from your assets, using Roth IRA conversions at the right times and in the right amounts can protect potentially hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of your assets from the threat of higher taxes. We'll discuss how to carve out an artificially low income tax period in order to make the conversions as efficient as possible. And using two client scenarios, we'll show why some clients should wait a few years while others should jump on this early before tax rates rise. All that and more right now on the Retirement Lifestyle Show. Welcome. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lungani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work toward your ideal retirement. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. I'm your co-host, Roshan Lungani, here as always with Adrian Nicholson and Eric Olson. We've got a great episode for you today where we're going to discuss tax rates and Roth conversions. Uh, gentlemen, how are you feeling this week? I'm doing great, Roshan. I'm excited to be here. Um, having a solid morning, had a healthy breakfast, woke up, and I, I looked last night. I won my first uh, sports bet, so I was excited by that. I created a new DJ playlist this week that kind of helped uh, speed up my pace, so <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a really strong start to the day. All right, Adrian, I got to ask, what was the sports bet first? It was, uh, it was actually like a promotion. I just betted on the UCLA game and Michigan game last night. And even if you lost, you got your money back. So my friend was like, you, you have to do it. Like, you, you have to do it. So um, my, my only kind of like, uh, like caveat to that was I only put like $100 into the sports betting app. And that's the only amount that I'm allowed to do. Or else I'd be kind of taken away from the dog fun, so to speak. So this yeah. is the only $100 <laughs> I could get to use for sports betting. So I hopefully can string this along to a career somehow. Oh, well, uh, you know, I've got to ask, you mentioned dog fund. Uh, tell me about that. What type of dog? Uh, we're probably, we're looking at getting either a dachshund or a, a corgi. I'm really leaning more on the corgi side. I'm going to name it Alfred after the famous butler from the Batman movie. So that's kind of something yeah. I really wanted to. I've never had an animal in my <laughs> life, so it's definitely going to be a, a big step, a big another step towards responsibility. So. I'm excited. Looking forward to the future. How have you been, Eric? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here today. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm, I'm doing really well. So last week, Roshan, you mentioned about getting your vaccination, right? So, uh, and you asked the question, have you registered yet? And I didn't even know what that was. So I went and I explored that a little bit. And uh, so I am registered. I'm supposed to get my first shot tomorrow. Oh, that's fast. I know. And the reason it uh, happened is, is that over the last probably mm, four or five months, I've put on about 15 pounds. And so I broke through back above the 25% BMI level. And for whatever reason, the question said about pre-existing conditions, you have a BMI level above 25. And I thought, I, is that a pre-existing condition? But <laughs> I answered it, yes. Yeah. And so apparently they think emergency, emergency, we've got to get this guy in here. He's a priority case. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed by it because my wife is well under 25, well, well under 25 BMI. And so she doesn't get to come with me. So now I feel like, well, let's just put it this way, the out of shape guy in the family. So I'm not I'm not happy about it, but we'll we'll try to fix that. Actually, I've been in the gym a lot lately, so we're going to try to fix that. Uh, that's good. Well, I I don't know what what's good and what's not. I'm glad you're getting the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's a good check for you to get back in the gym too. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> that's great. Well, General, let me take us to to our topic today. I, I'm definitely excited about it because uh, for a couple reasons. One. 
I think it's useful for our listeners uh, in general, but two more specifically, I think it's something that needs to be considered and acted upon pretty quickly. So I think we're also being timely uh, to a certain degree with this. So today we're going to be discussing uh, the Roth conversion uh, opportunity, tax rates, uh, and them possibly adjusting and withdrawal strategies, because they all go hand in hand if you're considering uh, utilizing this type of strategy. Um, we want to start with some basics before we get into uh, the details of the Roth conversions. And the most basic in this case would be uh, the difference between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. So Eric, I'm going to pass it on to you to take us through that, please. Okay, sure. So folks, the reason that we're even thinking this is a, uh, important to talk about is because the, the steps that we're going to talk uh, about here have the potential to create a lot of tax-free wealth and income for you over your lifetimes. And depending on how much is left over at the end of the at the end of your lifetimes, that might mean that more is transmittable to your whomever you're naming as your beneficiaries. So we're we're talking about some strategies, legal strategies to avoid, not evade, taxes over your lifetime in such a way that there's the, the capacity for you to just have more choices, more spendable lifestyle or more more to tr transmit to loved ones in the future. So what's the difference? Let's just start with the, because uh, I had a client yesterday ask me, what's the difference between an IRA and a Roth? So let me just lay that out for you if you're wondering, what are, what are we talking about? So an IRA is in a category of, of tax buckets that we generally call tax deferred. These include things like 401ks, 403bs, 457s, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, the whole, whole nine yards. In this case, what happens is when you put the money in, typically, let's say, through your workplace retirement plan, you got a tax deduction. In other words, it was subtracted, whatever amount you put into that plan was subtracted from your income that year, and therefore you didn't have to pay income taxes on that portion. And then it grows and grows on a tax-deferred basis. But here's the catch. When you take that money out during retirement, every penny, not just the growth, but every penny, including the money that you put in originally, as it comes out, it comes out as ordinary income. And if you're, you've, you're familiar with the differences between tax rates on ordinary income versus investment income, you know that ordinary income is a more painful bite into that, into that base of wealth than investment income would be. So what's the difference between that that I've just described and the Roth IRA? or the Roth component of your 401k for that matter. In this case, instead of getting to subtract your contribution in the year that you make it from your income, and therefore being able to avoid taxes or have a tax-deductible contribution in that year, instead, you first pay the taxes on, as ordinary income, and then with the after-tax money that you have, you put that into the Roth or into the Roth component of your 401k. Now, it also grows without tax being taxed, but here's the winning part of this strategy. When you pull the money out on the other end of that, on that time period, in typically during your retirement, when you pull that money out, not a penny, none of the growth, nor any of the money that you put in will be taxed because you got that tax problem out of the way up front. So that's the difference between an IRA and a Roth. What we're talking about today with respect to Roth conversion is the second less frequently understood technique for building that tax-free pool of wealth in a Roth. And it is instead of contributing it over time, it's instead taking money that, that you started out with in that 401k or that Roth or pardon me, the 401k or the IRA, and converting it into a Roth in a big chunk, typically, or systematically over a period of time, but 
in, in a in this process known as Roth conversion. For many people, in fact, this is the only option available to them because if their income is too high, they can't contribute to a Roth IRA. And if their company doesn't offer the Roth component of a 401k, they can only do conversions. So that's what we're on today. The key with that conversion is you're going to pay tax at that time. And that's what we're, we're that's what makes this so, um, uh, important to plan out and discuss because the moment you convert, you're paying your tax bill, and theoretically, you could have waited till you were till you needed the money or you were 72. So you're paying it a little bit early. So you've you've got there. There are a lot of moving parts here with when you should convert, what tax rates, what tax rates are, wh- whether you should convert at all. Right. Uh, the the tax rates at the time, where you think tax rates are going to be, the growth rates. So there are a lot of components to consider when you when you're doing this and the reason we want to discuss this with you now uh is because there is a high likelihood of tax rates going up in the future as of right now uh due to the uh tax cuts and job act jobs act back in 2018 tax rates were lowered and uh, which means you're paying less of a percentage in taxes. In addition to that, the taxable income level for those rates went up, which meant more money taxed at a lower rate. So if this is something you're going to utilize, as I said at the beginning, it is something you probably want to start looking into and doing sooner than later, because in as of right now, if there is no uh, no change made, these rates are automatically going to revert back to what they were in 2017, not only the rates, but the, the levels of taxable income. So you've got a window uh, right now between now being 2021 all the way out to 2025 where uh, you can do something. And there's also the possibility, and there's been a, a lot of talk of um, the new administration raising rates or accelerating that process. So. Um, I don't know if that will happen or not. What I do know is if if nothing is done, the rates will go up. So we've got a you've got a four year window to say, hey, can this uh, Roth conversion strategy over the next four years significantly help me and my family have more wealth? And what what you're doing is just minimizing the taxes you pay. Yeah, Roshan, that's a great backdrop for this discussion and. It really shows, like like what we talked about, there's a lot of uh, moving parts here for you to consider. And that's why this is a really uh, case-by-case uh, scenario when you're kind of looking at whether the Roth IRA conversion uh, fits for you or not. And we'll give you some examples in this uh, episode for you to maybe follow along with. And one that comes to mind is, just for example, you may be at a lower tax bracket now, and let's just say... Um, you're retired and you're starting to withdraw and you're getting a lot of income from, let's say, various places. Like, let's just talk about like a pension or Social Security or you're taking RMDs. That could bump you up into a potentially higher tax bracket. And then that means you will be paying more money to taxes. And you, and we talked about in a previous episode how maybe one small percentage can add a few extra years on your retirement. So just really looking at the numbers and really going over the different scenarios could be very beneficial, whether whether this is a good strategy for you or not, and ultimately can save you some money, I think is, uh, is a really um, important topic to, to discuss. And uh, we'll go over some more examples as we move forward. Eric, is there another area you want to kind of touch on before we move forward? Well, it's just, yes. So this is, I think if you think about approaching this problem from, in, in a in a global way of examining over the course of your lifetime where you can find those pockets of lowest tax rates that you'll be subject to or even going one step further if you can to a certain extent use tactics to maneuver or to manipulate your tax rates in such a way that you can manufacture a period of time where you have lower marginal rates then you you expand the opportunity for making these Roth IRA conversions in the most tax efic- efficient way, and as a result, having the least tax cost 
or the biggest, you know, the biggest bang uh, on on creating tax-free wealth. There are several ways in which that can happen. Roshan, what were you going to say? Well, I, I just wanted to add one other thing I just, to make sure we don't forget. As we went over the difference between Roth and traditional IRA, we talked about the taxation, but it's also important to note that at age 72, you have required minimum distributions from that traditional IRA, which you won't with the Roth. So I have people that I work with where what they're required to take out at age 72 will be greater than their expected need from an expense perspective. So that's another another angle uh, where doing this is important because if you're being forced to pay taxes in the future uh, that you don't need to, oh, oh, let me restate that. If you're being forced to take money out that you don't need, which will then lead to taxes um, that will then potentially be at a higher rate if you're turning 72 after 2025, we've just got another component. So we talked about uh, this being something worth looking into because A, tax rates may change. B, uh, it may lead to more wealth for you in the future or more to your heirs in the in the future, managing your tax rates now and later. And then finally, as almost a subset of taxes and withdrawals is taking out what you need versus being forced to take out uh, based on a an arbitrary formula that the IRS has created. Yeah, and Roche, I want to add one more thing. With the Roth IRA too, there are certain penalties and certain timeframes where you have to hold on to your assets in a Roth IRA before you can withdraw them or you will be subjected to certain penalties or having to pay additional. So it, like we said, there are a lot of components to this that you have to look look over and that's where we're willing to have a conversation with you to kind of go over your your situation and what may work best for you. So I was talking about the, the, the manipulation of tax rates and now Roshan, your comment has prompted me to think about one other element of this equation. And that is not only as you identified, if you have the vast majority of your of your wealth, let's say in an IRA and not in a Roth IRA, and you're getting these really overly you know overly large requirements to expunge money from the IRA on top of your already existing income, then it is coming out at undesirably high income tax rates for you there. But there's a still another element of the of the recent changes in in uh, the the transmission of assets from one generation to the next that make the the problem of tax rates that will be incurred by these IRAs even potentially worse than what we're describing so far, and that is that once upon a time, when you passed away, and if you're married, you're you're the second one of you passed away, and you're now your your heirs received these IRAs, they were able to use something that we, we colloquially called a stretch IRA, a stretch IRA, more accurately known as an inherited IRA or a beneficiary IRA. The inheritor of that was allowed to stretch out the removal of the IRA assets from that over, a, let's say, a 20 or 30 year period commonly. But under recent changes in the law, they're now forced to take that out no later than the 10th anniversary of having uh, of the passing of the second one of those those spouses or if you're single then you know your own passing imagine that let, let use my own case as an example my children being roughly 30 years younger than i if i pass away at let's say my mid 80s to mid 90s then they will be uh, consequently in their mid 50s to mid 60s possibly at the very highest point of their, their peak earning years. And if they are then during that phase forced to take out that money on top of their then existing income, that's going to become taxed at a pretty high rate, especially if they have to rush it out in a 10-year period. So now we have to think about the tax question and Roth conversions intergenerationally and not just within your own lifetime. So there's a lot of, for a lot of reasons then, whether it's existing tax rates, the possibility of Biden changing them, even if the Biden administration doesn't, the sunsetting of these rates after 2025, and now coupled with the, the shortening of the, the transmission period of a stretch IRA to 10 years, there's a lot of reasons that we want to have you take a look at this 
uh, closely. And, and honestly, we invite you to talk with us or to talk with some other advisor who's adept at the analysis of, of optimizing this question. But now I want to, but, but, but I want to open the floor to you guys, but I, the, my next sort of area that I think we should explore would be in the area of withdrawal strategies, the timing of your social security in order to manufacture those lulls where you're going to, where, where you might not otherwise be, we want to manufacture a deliberately low tax rate to make the conversion as inexpensive as possible. Yeah. And I, I'm ready to jump into some of these examples that we have. If uh, both of you are. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation. So I'm going to, would it, Guys, I had showed you in advance the those slides that I had developed. Would this be a good time to help start to tell that story by showing some of these yeah, slides? Yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Yes, let's go, ahead. go through it. Okay. So to our podcast listeners, I want to say we're going to do our level best to give you the story here just by audio. But we will have in the show notes these slides and they'll be they'll be available for you to reference if you want to go back and listen. Or if you're one of our YouTube audience members, then this will be a little bit more straightforward for you because you'll see this from the get-go. So what I want to do is use two, let me, let me just set this up. So we're going to look at two different scenarios. And one of the conclusions that you'll, you'll undoubtedly draw from this section of this, this podcast is, is that there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer for all clients. It's really one where we have to understand the unique considerations in your case. And those have everything to do, it range from your life expectancy to your social security withdrawal, or pardon me, your social security amounts. If you're married, um, age differences between you and your spouse, whether when you plan on retiring, whether it is indeed optimal for you to claim social security at this age or that age, how much of your portfolio is in tax-deferred accounts, meaning IRAs and 401ks? How much is in taxable accounts? How much is in... There's a range of sorts of things here that we have to take into consideration. And not only that, whether or not you have any sort of motivation to leave assets for a next generation. So there's so many factors that at work here. We want to optimize these for you. But the two scenarios that we're going to look at today, just to, two of could be hundreds, are first a 62-year-old with a business that's rapidly growing and that's the, the owner of this business intends to hang on to this somewhere in the 10 to 15 years range and we'll see a significant growth in, in household income as a result. Then we'll sell the business and then we'll have that, that sale take place on an on a incremental basis over the course of a, roughly five years and then is expected to live a pretty long life. That's scenario number one, and we'll show and tell that in just a moment. The second scenario that we'll look at is a person who's 51, not 62, and is instead of a business owner, is a, is a family, is a couple that earns a pretty good living now, $250,000 gross income, but their taxable income with the after subtracting what they're putting into their 401ks and after their standard deductions and so forth are able to get that taxable income down into the high you know 100s and then they plan on not going for 10 or 15 years they're trying to get out of this in in the early 60s well i guess that would be about the 10 year mark for them 10 or 15 years from now call it call it a day and then live off what they've amassed in their in their investment accounts so let's look at we're going to look at it from several stages here stage number one for each of these two scenarios will be the assumption that they do no roth ira conversions and that when it comes time for them to switch over from living on their paychecks to instead living on a combination of social security withdrawals and withdrawals from their their asset base that they do so on what we would call a pro rata withdrawal strategy, meaning if two thirds of their money is in one tax bucket, like their IRAs, and two th and one third is in their taxable accounts, then they would each and every year, or to whatever extent they needed money on top of their social security, they would take two thirds from the first bucket and one third from the second. 
So that's our starting point. Then we look at the next question. What if they altered that withdrawal strategy? What if instead they used one of several other options? And the option we'll evaluate will be that they don't do it on a pro rata basis, but instead they pull all of the money that they need from one bucket, specifically their taxable bucket, until it's used up. Then they shift over to their IRAs until those are used up if they are. And then if, if they're, they exist, they switch over to their Roth IRAs. That's the, se- the second step is to look at what happens if they change the withdrawal strategy. Then the third step is to look at what happens if, after they've made the withdrawal strategy change, if they then go one step further and do this process that we've talked about today, which is a Roth conversion. In other words, taking money out of the IRA, paying the tax, on every penny that comes out, but not using it, not burning it by spending it right then, but sticking it right back into the Roth IRA and allowing it to incubate there. So with having given that preface to this, let's look at the slides. And and uh, podcast listeners, this is going to involve a little bit of, of uh, tracking with some numbers, which I know isn't always the easiest, but we're going to give it a, we're going to give it a shot. So let's start with this. So I'm going to scroll up to the top of this display and we'll start with the first case again being the business owner. So here's what we're looking at uh, for the for the listeners and for those watching along. The first stage Eric mentioned was um, if you just take a pro rata withdrawal basis. And Eric, that's the baseline we're looking at right now. That's the starting point, correct? Correct. So we're starting at a at a zero. This is saying, okay, this person has decided, and in the example Eric used, they have two-thirds of their money in their uh, IR, traditional IRA, one-third in their taxable account, and they're taking it out pro rata. Um, this is generally something that um, I see people do, but it's, it's usually the simple but not optimal option, Eric. Would you agree? Everyone's situation is different. There's some cases where it could work, but usually... This is not the optimal strategy that, that you see for the clients. Would you agree with that? Completely agree. Okay. And as to whether the, con- the, the conventional wisdom of taxable first, then tax deferred, and then tax free is the right one, or in some clients' cases, it's, the, it's opposite the conventional wisdom. It's starting with your tax deferred, then going to your taxable, and then your tax free. So it varies from client to client, depending on their circumstances. Okay, so let's look at stage two then with the with this uh, person. This is this is the business owner with the growing business, and if they just shift what they're doing from taking um taking it pro rata from each account to focusing on taking out the taxable account first, then tax deferred, then tax free. That has an overall improvement, uh, Eric, of six hundred fifty-three thousand over their lifetime. Correct? Yes. Said slightly differently, starting with what is a net worth of two point one million dollars, according at least to this particular analysis and this software that we're using for this purpose, according to this particular analysis, it says that if you didn't change your lifestyle at all but you just made that one adjustment, there would be 650000 more available for your heirs on an after-tax basis. Some people might say, that's not a goal of mine. And so what that implies is, well, then we could adjust your giving upward or your lifestyle upward during your own lifetime. But bottom line is, is it means that this is structured in such a way that the IRS gets less and you or your heirs get more. Yeah, and uh, uh, I would make a couple points here. One is it's a 30% increase, right? So, so everyone's situation is different. So uh, with the number, I just like to show the increase. The increase may be different, it may not, but that's an increase to you by making just a slight adjustment of uh, where you take the money from. Uh, and you haven't done anything else. It's just you've got money in three buckets, and this is saying instead of taking it equally from all three, you take it from the taxable one first, and then the others two, allowing to defer the tax even further. So to me, the the first one of let's take it equally from everywhere is is very simple. This one to me is also a very simple move of saying let's take the taxable one 
first and then we'll go to the other ones later, continuing to defer the gains. The next step is where it starts to get a little bit more complicated. Yeah, and I just wanted to uh, add real quick. It's just you're, we're talking about how it's just such a simple move and how it can make such a a big difference. And if you look at that number, it, it is incredible how much money you can save by just structuring, taking money from a certain account. And like Eric said, we're not making any lifestyle changes here. We're not changing a growth rate. We're not adjusting risk tolerance or anything, which we talked about in previous podcasts. We're just kind of strategizing, formulating a plan and sticking to it by taking money from certain accounts. And that can lead to more money in your in your pocket. I think that's a really good theme that we're discussing in this episode. And Eric, let's continue to the next step then. So now we're getting a little bit more um, strategic with where the money's coming from. So in this case, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, we've we've set this this alternate withdrawal strategy, not pro rata, but instead doing pulling from taxable accounts when there's an inc when there's a when more is needed than the is coming in the door uh, to fund lifestyle or where the lifestyle is indeed fully covered, but there's room in the existing tax bracket. Just as a, when I say tax bracket, most of our listeners understand this, but maybe some don't. When the federal government sets up the marginal income tax brackets, the first dollars that everyone pays are all taxed at even multi-billionaires. The first dollars that they they um, are are deemed ordinary income are taxed at the same ten percent rate. The next dollars are all even for multi-billionaires are taxed at a twelve percent rate. The next one's currently at twenty-two, going to twenty-five, and so forth and so on. That you just scale up through these brackets. It's just the question of where do you stop? And in this particular client's case, they will never, it appears, see again in their lifetimes income that's low enough, no matter what they do, to be in a 10 or 12% marginal income tax bracket. All the, all the room in those brackets is already used up by virtue of their income. And Eric, uh, for this, this scenario, just to give another number to it, you, uh, what we have the client doing is they've taken the first step of taking the taxable uh, assets first. And then their second step that you have them doing here is converting up until the, what is currently the 22% bracket. Right. And, and will become 25. Will be 25. Correct. Exactly. So hold on, let me give, just give a number to it first. So hypothetically speaking, currently, uh, currently the, the 22% bracket for a married couple caps at a hundred sixty five thousand in taxable income so what this illustration is saying well if you're making 150 that uh you've got fifteen thousand dollars of room left to 165 so convert fifteen thousand thus maximizing that tax bracket and in this client's case their first year they they're because their taxable income that's different than their gross or adjusted gross but their taxable income is 93 and so as a result, uh, they're, they're in a position to con- convert about $80,000 into a Roth IRA in one fell swoop. And to do that at the low, low price of, I sound like prices, right? Low, low price of 22% federal income tax. If you live in a state which has state income taxes and they tax with these withdrawals, you'd add to that your state income tax. But for example, Illinois, they don't tax IRA uh, withdrawals. So this would be just the the federal tax. But doing this step, guys, look at this. They do this for four years or so now until their income starts pushing too high and pushes above that 22, then 25% bracket. And then they do it again in their mid-70s to early 80s when they have another lull in their income and they're back down below that what would then be a 25% bracket. Doing just in a few years there, four now and four in their mid, four or five in their mid 70s to their early 80s, it would you agree that it significantly moves the needle on the inheritable assets? Well, yeah, and Eric, share the number they've got in this illustration, and this is hypothetical, as we've said, or if we haven't, this is a hypothetical situation, but it, it improves their wealth to 4.8 by, by 4.8 million. Right. So the the spendable after-tax value of the portfolio, given all of the assumptions that are present here, inflation rates, growth rates, spending levels, longevity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 
using though an actual client's actual numbers means that after changing the withdrawal strategy, they improved their the transmittable wealth by six hundred fifty thousand. Now it's four point eight million. It's unbelievable. So think about that for a second. We started. I'm rounding. We started at roughly two million, and they, if they were withdrawing pro rata, we then said, okay, now just take the taxable money first, and then take the uh, tax deferred and then tax free after, and that increased it by about thirty percent. And then now we've said, okay. Could, Keep doing that, but also add on the fact that you're going to do conversions along the way. And now we've got an improvement from the original 2 million almost to 5 million. It's like a two and a half times increase uh, in this situation. Yeah. And uh, just real quick, I want to kind of take the opposite end of it because we're, we're saying an extra 2 million or an extra $4 million. It just makes like this is like a great strategy we can employ. Are there any like kind of, um, instances or scenarios here where this might not be a good situation or what are kind of some of the issues that you could could arise from implementing this strategy because it seems like for example like this is such a great strategy of course we can use it there's there's no issue with that at all there's no type of problem you may run into there definitely is actually adrian that's a great question uh that's the second scenario we we have for us but eric you've got one more thing for this client and then let's go on to the next person yeah, well, uh, and just in response to Adrian's question, Adrian, I think sometimes it, it, there's a these are very sensitive to life expectancy. Okay. Yeah. So what what the optimal strategy is can vary a lot by life expectancy, and so that's one of the reasons that I like to pay attention to that in the in the client's case. But um, let because sometimes you you spend a lot of money uh, from your taxable accounts up front to do that conversion. And then if you never really have the opportunity for that to be retrieved through, through um, growth. Growth. growth, you know, yeah. then you might say, oh, maybe that wasn't the best move. Yeah, that's a really great point that you brought up, Eric. Next is, though, we go one step further and say, instead of, what if instead of doing Roth IRA conversions only to the top of, or the maximum level uh, uh, available in the 22, later the 25 bracket, what if we did it up to the maximum level of allowable in the currently 24% bracket, later 28. Both because the 24% bracket currently is just, I mean, the simple, let me just state the obvious. 24 today is lower than what, at a higher level, is lower than the 25% rate that will be in effect on a much lower level later. So if you can convert at 24 now, all else being equal, wouldn't you prefer that to converting at 25 later? All else being equal, I think the answer is obviously yes. You say 1%, but there's also a lot more room in this right now. So um, bottom line, though, when this client does this, they actually they only have enough IRA money currently. They're continu continuing to contribute, but they only have enough IRA money currently to do this conversion process for four years. Yeah, uh, and let me make let me give a number to this. Eric, you said there's a lot more room at the next bracket. I just want to give the actual number. Currently, the top of the 22% bracket is 165,000, and the top of the 24% bracket is 315. If we go back to uh, 2017 numbers, the top of the 25%, so you're already one higher than the 24, Eric mentioned, is 153. And the top of the 24 is 233. So, you know, 233 to 315 is another 70,000. Going back to that example I gave earlier, if your income is 150, taxable income of 150, and we're saying, okay, convert to the top of your tax bracket, you can convert 15,000 because that caps at 165. But if you say, okay, convert up to the top of the 24% bracket, which is lower than the 25 that you had and will likely have in the future, you now can convert up to 315. So if you're making 150, you can convert up to 165,000. So the numbers, as Eric said, that's what a lot more room is. That's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And the net outcome of this for this client, again, subject to all the assumptions that are built into this plan, the net outcome of this is uh, that there is a $6.9 million, not a $4.8 million, but now a $6.9 million increase in the transmittable wealth at the end, or again, as I've said before, 
said differently, more lifestyle available to you during your own lifetime if that's a higher priority for you than the legacy element of this of this scenario. So bottom line is, is that the combination of the withdrawal strategy, the social security timing strategy, and the withdrawal and the conversion strategy can work to, to create a lot more for you and a lot less for the IRS. Let's look at the second scenario just to illustrate though the point that it doesn't it's it doesn't it it doesn't always work that the the correct or best time to do something like this is now. So this is scenario number 2 with a hypothetical client who is like as I said before married couple making 250 um we'll call them um Roth and Ruth and uh Roth is making 200 Ruth is making 50,000 and they are going to at the Ruth wants to retire a little bit earlier so she's hoping that by 62 she can just call it a day and Roth is thinking he'd probably work a few years longer maybe it's about 65 66 when they do that then again under the assumption of pro rata strategy of withdrawal once they do start their retirement and uh taking social security as soon as they retire that's that's one option for them but if instead they were to say let's postpone the social security let's opt instead for a withdrawal strategy that instead of being pro rata is use the taxable amounts first then what happens is just on that withdrawal strategy level alone not on the basis of a Roth IRA conversion they increase the transmittable wealth from their current what is a currently a 1.6 million dollar portfolio half in taxable accounts, half in tax deferred IRAs or and 401ks. Gentlemen, what's what's the increase in the impact here? Well, yeah, the number is 713,000 increase, but Eric, what's our starting point? I uh how 1.6 million. So now they're passing on 2.3. Well, they're they no, they're passing on a lot more than that cuz it's going to grow and grow over their lifetimes, but beyond what it otherwise would be now in addition to what it otherwise would be without this withdrawal strategy change they're adding still another 700,000 to that much larger number in the future yeah i'm trying to get the percentage when they're at can you scroll back up when they're at zero like that the baseline how much is being passed on to their heirs here um, I don't know that number off the top of my head because this is an income graph not a net worth graph so you can't translate this net worth into what's being passed on. Passed on. Okay, we we had it for them. But either way, if they make the simple change, uh, two changes: one, adjusting their social security, uh, so now they've de- delayed it till age seventy, and two, adjusted their withdrawal strategy so that they're taking the taxable amount first. They're passing on seven hundred thirteen thousand more. That's correct. And then now let's let's add on the next step of um uh of roth conversions correct and so what i'll highlight for people is it looks like if you could see this graph um and our youtube and uh, others uh, audience will be able to see this and if you go to the show notes you'll see this but if you're just listening right now there's this huge chasm where upon the retirement suddenly the income just disappears <laughs> and now there there's almost no taxable income to speak of whatsoever and so this and this goes on for you know seven or eight years so at this stage what are they going to is that just presents this wildly great opportunity to use that super low um super very little competition with any other taxable income to do roth conversions so in their case if they said well let's do it just even up to the 12 percent line which will then at that point when they do this will be 15 barring any other tax law changes in this case now they would be converting maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year for seven or eight years uh using the full opportunity that exists in that 12 percent bracket think of that currently they're deferring taxes at a 22 percent clip and as the the rates change in 2026 they'll be deferring at a 25 percent clip in other words enjoying that tax benefit from making contributions into their 401ks they'll be getting a 25 percent tax savings on every dollar they contribute only just a few years later 
to then start taking that same money out that they they captured a 25 percent um reduction on when they contributed now they can take it out at 12 percent oh my goodness that's a huge tax arbitrage opportunity for them and when they do that only up to the 12 percent level it further juices the amount that's available to their heirs remember a 1.6 million dollars starting portfolio grows and grows and grows and grows but it by this combination of strategies both the withdrawal strategy change and the roth ira conversions up to the using the 12 percent bracket what's the number guys 2.3 million is the improvement now that's huge huge and as we keep saying nothing has really cha- nothing's changed in their lifestyle this is just by managing uh their tax bracket take and taking advantage of uh of conversions so we wanted to look and see what happens if they go one step further and they go up to what is currently the 22 but will be the 25 percent bracket and see this i think is really illuminating it actually makes it slightly worse so the improvement is still there it's at a, but it's a two million dollar improvement rather than a 2.2 million dollar improvement so one wouldn't that's not something that one could intuitively arrive at that's something they have to do through analysis that's why we want to encourage you as you're listening to this to to take the opportunity to get with a planner who's who's adept at this kind of analysis and can help examine your situation closely along with your goals and the specifics of your circumstance to identify for you when if ever these kinds of withdrawal strategy changes and social security claiming strategy changes and Roth IRA conversion strategy changes can lead to a better outcome. But I would say just looking at these two scenarios, when there's this kind of money at stake, 2 million, 2.2 million in this client's case, 4.8, $6.9 million in the other client's case, to look at those kind, the magnitude of those sorts of things. I mean, it seems to me it's like, it's a new, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, an essential kind of analysis for you to to at least examine whether it makes sense yeah and even eric if not only are the numbers huge but i think of also some people where uh in they may have lower numbers right in terms of their asset level and this could be the difference of can you retire at age 65 or do you have to work till age 70 right just this kind of strategic strategic planning it's not only a dollar number but it's years of your life that can be significantly yeah, exactly roshan and also kind of providing that that hedge as well that we talked about just in case um the impact of future tax rates as well is a extremely important concept we discussed we in previous episodes we talked about diversifying your asset looking at different asset classes and knowing your risk capacity but also just throwing the tax element into this as well trying to hedge yourself in any ways as possible is extremely important without having to make those lifestyle changes without having to make adjustments in your financial picture is uh is a great discussion to have yeah my my takeaways from this that that i'd like to share are one uh it's something that you should definitely look into and two when you look into it i i would say uh, this is one of those scenarios where uh, I think Eric, you said this while we were preparing. Kids, don't try this at home. Or I, I would change that to don't try this alone. Um, Eric, Adrian, and I are, are happy to help you with this. We do this analysis for our clients uh, on a daily basis, uh, and I would just say it, it can have a huge difference in wealth. We literally talked about numbers in the six million dollar neighborhood, and it can also have a huge difference in your in your life by not changing anything you're doing despite uh as far as lifestyle goes but planning where you withdraw your money from and whether you do the conversion or not and so that we're not leaving people with this expectation that this is necessarily a move that will generate millions of additional transmittable assets i do want to say think even if it's much more modest in a, a family's case if it's a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars that improves it that might be the difference as you pointed out earlier between this choice and that choice with respect to the timing of their retirement, the timing of, the, or how much they're able to spend, how much they're able to travel, how much they're able to give, whatever the case might be, there's a there's a lot that's at stake here. There's one other concept that I want to introduce, but not spend time on, just as sort of a, maybe as a down payment on a future episode where we pursue this more 
uh, deliberately, but it's then to build on what we've just now uh, looked at, which is the creation of a Roth IRA or a Roth IRA through the conversion process. To then talk about how can you further leverage that uh, that capacity now to have a tax-free pool of wealth to to more even more intelligently allocate your portfolio in such a way that it that the tax-free portion of your portfolio grows more than any other portion of your portfolio. Guys, you want to talk about that tax allocation component, and we'll address that in more detail some other time. Yeah, we'll definitely do a full uh, a full episode, I think, of discussing this. But what Eric's referring to is because your Roth can grow tax deferred and will be tax free. You look at having the most uh, aggressive or most growth oriented part of your portfolio in there, uh, and your uh, income elements that that you'd have maybe more towards the traditional IRA because you'll take it out earlier and you're not paying tax on those. Uh, income elements. And then if you can do this, things that would be treated as capital gains being in your taxable account and how managing that tax scenario will um, uh, will put you in a position to um, uh, to further enhance that wealth or maybe even have you retire earlier, as we talked about previously. I'm excited about that topic, too. Excellent, gentlemen. Well, I think this has been a great episode for all of our listeners. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of the Retirement Lifestyle Show. We will be back at you next week with another interesting interesting topic. And uh, we hope you enjoy the week and we look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. If you found this show helpful, gained knowledge, or enjoyed the time you spent with Roshan, Eric, and Adrian, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, or to ask us a question, go to retirewithroshan.com. That's retire with Roshan, R-O-S-H-A-N.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. Finally, Our music is The Chance by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube audio library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening.